Welcome to another episode of the LeafCast. Takes by Leaf for Leaf. Uh, I want to say a happy stimulus day to you. <clears throat> I hope that uh, you are mon- among money of the multitudes who have uh, received uh, free money today. I call it free money because it appears to me that you did nothing to earn said money as opposed to the government saying, you are home, uh, here's some money. So initially, when I heard about the stimulus checks, I thought it was for people who were laid off because of the pandemic. That's a whole separate category of money. This is just, hey, here's some money. Um, unfortunately, I am not getting uh, any of said money. I am kind of bad about it. I'm, I'm a little salty. I'm a little bitter. I'm a hater. I'll call it what it is. Because I don't understand. Like, if you got money, why can't I get money? What is the distinction that is being made about how certain people can get said checks and other people cannot have checks? You know, can I live the same way you're living? Either way, I I hope you did get your money. Um, If you got a direct deposit, my understanding is it probably came in today. And for whatever reason that you had to get it mailed, I don't know when that's going to show up. (laughs) Um, First of all, they're having difficulty mailing those checks because your president decided that he was going to put his name on the checks. Um, Don't know why. I think from his positioning, maybe it sounded like a good idea in terms of um, politics. When I'm running for office in November, people will remember that I, Donald J. Trump, uh, gave you $1,200 or whatever the amount of money is. I would just say to folks, and I would say to the federal government, maybe the federal government doesn't understand how much money, you know, $1,200 or approximately $1,200 is. Um, It's not a lot of money. You know, I'm not mad at $1,200. Quite frankly, I'd like to have an additional $1,200, but I'm not sure what the $1,200 is designed to solve for. Um, But yet here we have it. So kudos to those who got these beautiful stimulus checks. Um, I guess the question would be, and I would love to hear from the audience, feel free to let me know. Um, what you going to do with the money? You know, I read an article that said a lot of people are planning to, you know, use that money for on groceries. And that makes sense. Um, if it was me, I would use that money and invest in the stock market. <laughs> no, I'm not even playing. I would buy stock in like whatever Kroger's, the major grocery store chains are and wherever the neighborhood that you're at, because they got to be killing it right now. So that's my thought you know, about these checks. And again, God bless that people that have them. Please understand they're a one-time shot. At least my understanding is it's just one check. It's not like every month you're going to go out and get another $1,200. So it's a one-time deal. You know, don't go crazy with it. I guess you can't really go crazy with it because we're in a pandemic. And, um, you know, so so we'll see. And, and, I, and I think some of the thing is, you know, in terms of what you're going to do about the money, you know, I would recommend that if you had debt, you try to pay that down, whether that be, you know, credit card debt, you know, or any of the other kind of stuff, you know, you pay your credit cards down, you know, don't go to Amazon and, you know, order a hot tub and stuff like that. And I think one of the things that's interesting about, look, I'm guilty of it. I've ordered, you know, um, miscellaneous things from Amazon during the, uh, during the pandemic or the quarantine. I think I got myself a, a, a dope ass, a, a water vape pen, if that is indeed believable. I got a hydraulic vape pen. 
So I'm very excited about said vape pen. I ordered said vape pen over a week ago. I still haven't fucking gotten this shit because the mail is just slow as always. So we'll we'll see. Hopefully, whenever that does come out, I will definitely let you know on the podcast uh, how that goes and what the deal is with you know said water pen. But you know the main thing that's on everybody's mind, and there's a press conference going on right now as we speak, or at least as I speak. Um, where the president is again urging, you know, hey, when are we going to go back to work? And I think he conceded that initially took the position is I can tell people when to go back and I'm the king. And that's just kind of what I say goes type of thing. Uh, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> and I, again, you know, here's he's not an alerted man. So I'm not, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he thinks that he can just tell people anything and they have to snap and do it. But that's not true. Um, the states, you know, hold that authority. So he's now, you know, kind of, you know, kind of um, cheerleading for everybody to go back to work and they're going to roll out some guidelines at any point in time. And I'm super excited about those guidelines. Like literally, I'm going to use those guidelines when I, when, if in case I run out of toilet paper, that's when I'm going to use the president's um, come back to work guidelines. Well, because the real question is, when you think about it, like who, who is going to be the arbiter of when we go back? It's not going to be the president. Um, you know, he kind of, again, he kind of conceded that role when he didn't issue a stay at home order. So it's kind of weird that he can now, you know, pivot from that and say, I'm going to issue a go back to work order. Um, if it is the states, you know, the governors, you know, okay, governors can, you know, obviously issue edicts and, you know, tell people to go back out and things along those lines. But, you know, in some respects, it's interesting that I think capitalism will be the ultimate determiner. So let me just kind of give you an example. Um, if I own a laundry mat, or better yet, a dry cleaners, I own a dry cleaners, and there's like you know, I own a chain of dry cleaners. I've got forty, you know, individuals who are working at said dry cleaner. Okay, you have gotten multiple, you know, from the CDC and every place else, scientists saying, hey, you know, probably not cool to open up the government on May first. But for whatever the reason, let's just assume governors say, hey, get back out there May first. Uh, businesses start to open back up and now I am the dry cleaner and I open up my dry cleaning services. So I've got employees that are working in the dry cleaner. I've got people that are walking into the dry cleaner. What if one of my uh, employees dies? Gets sick from the coronavirus and dies. Or better yet, what if he just gets sick? Can that person sue me? Um, if that person dies, can that person's family sue me? What type of liability, you know, from a from a from a from a from a, a just a purely capitalism perspective, you know, would a business assume by opening up and their employees getting sick? I guess they can make the argument as how do you know you were sick if you were, you know, maybe you got sick on the way to work as opposed to onward. So these are just some of the multiple issues and challenges, and I find it interesting that I think when Trump you know, said, hey, I'm going to meet with all these businesses and the businesses would be like, hey, let's go back. Let's go back to work right now. And I think what he started to get, you know, in terms of business owners and CEOs and things along those lines, say, hey, wait a minute, hold on. We don't think it's cool to go back until you can actually test to determine who is fucking sick and who's not. And that sounds kind of like common sense, right? You think, you know, before we can go back, we wouldn't just say it's in God's hands or whatever. Literally, there's a just like, you know, there's an article just yesterday. There was a pastor in uh, Virginia 
And, you know, he defied the stay-at-home orders. And, you know, he was having his congregation come in. And, you know, he's doing Sunday worship. He just died. <laughs> he died of the coronavirus, okay? So, I again, I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not trying to, um, you know, attack anybody's religious preferences or adherence to religion. I think those are all great things, especially in a times like these. But I don't think Jesus is telling anybody to go, by, go outside. You know, I don't think... You know, uh, the prophet Muhammad is telling people, you know what you should do right now? Just go back out. Just go back out to work. I, I, I don't think that's happening. So, you know, again, I, it'll be interesting about, you know, how this, hey, let's get back to work type of thing happens because, you know, whatever Trump says, put that aside for a second. If you pick up any, you know, newspaper, you go to any credible you know, even, you know, internet site, you know, USA Today, you know, any site, they'll tell you that they're, you know, we have not done enough testing. So you don't know who's sick. You don't know who's a spreader of the disease. You don't even know. We don't even know right now if you actually got sick. Are you now immune from the disease? Meaning, can you get sick again? Or better yet, can you continue to spread the disease? So all of these are great unknowns. Um... You know, I find it interesting. So now, you know, sports obviously is just kind of just dying on the vine, except for wrestling, which is, you know, kind of taken off like hotcakes. But, you know, the thought process is like, well, we've got to, you know, if this goes on long, you know, these sports are going to take a huge hit. And you want to say to yourself, you know, for instance, like, you know, NFL, if NFL season doesn't start on time, you know, it's the sport's going to take a huge hit in terms of lost revenue, etc. And you want to say to yourself, who do you think owns a football team? Right? Do you think um, you know, a guy making a hundred thousand dollars owns a football team? Do you think a millionaire can afford to own a football team? A billion with a B, a billionaire owns a football team. So I would just say to said billionaires, suck it the fuck up. You know, look, I, I wanna see football, I wanna see basketball, baseball, etc. Fuck it, I, I'll settle for Little League. But my point is until it's safe. I'm not going out. And until it's safe, you know, and again, I see some of these players, I think the interesting thing about players, especially I was trying to explain to somebody about the NFL, you get paid during the season, right? You don't get paid all year round. So if, like, for instance, let's just say, you know, I'm a, you know, a uh, running back in the NFL and I'm making, you know, my salary is $2 million a year. Okay. Well, first of all, you've got to subtract taxes. Uncle Sam is coming for that check. Then you've got to think about he's got to pay his agent. You know, that's coming out of that check. Then he's got to think he's got, you know, he's got family, you know, kids, potentially, whatever that may be. He's got to pay for all that. His car payment, house payment. So he's really not as flush with cash as the average person would think, right? Because the average person thinks, oh, my goodness, this person is an athlete. They must be rich. You know, they're living the life of Riley and that kind of thing. And I'm not here to say these people are, you know, paupers. But what I am trying to say is it's not as much money as you think. And I remember, you know, I read this story. Anadoli, you know, it was about a football player who's now passed away, Terry Glenn. Um, you know, the deal with Terry Glenn was, and he, all, you know, he had a couple of women who he had, you know, children with. And they all, fuck, they all knew if you wanted to get your child support payments from Terry Glenn, it was during the football season. You know, you couldn't go to Terry Glenn, you know, on the off season and be like, yo, you got these payment checks. He doesn't have them. He, he's not getting paid at this point in time. So even in the NBA, you know, I, it's, I, you know, I read an article, uh, CJ McCullough, I believe, was saying that, you know, 
you know, at least one third of the players are kind of we're living paycheck to paycheck, meaning they don't have any savings. So, you know, they're ready to go back to play. But just because you're ready to do something doesn't necessarily mean that it's safe or it's something that you should do. So this kind of, you know, rubs against, you know, what is the role of the state or the federal government in kind of telling people when it's safe for you to go back out? And so if you saw today at the news, you know, in, in Michigan, just yesterday, we talked about literally there are pictures in Detroit where there are bodies stacked on top of bodies in empty rooms in hospitals. Okay. That's an actual thing. In Lansing, Michigan, there are white people, and I'm saying they're white people because the people that I saw on television were fucking white, who decided to do some type of, I don't know, weird car protest where they drove to the to the state capitol and honked their horns and protest, let us out, let us go back to work. And it's like, do you not see the people dying in your own state? Do you somehow think that you are, you know, immune somehow, just magically immune to said disease? I don't know. Like, again, I get it. Everybody's itching to get the fuck out of the house. I get, you know, if you are in a home with multiple people, I'm sure at some point in these last four weeks, everybody has gotten on your motherfucking nerves. I get it. I totally respect that. It makes sense to me. But again, just because you want to do something, the question is, should you do something and is it safe? So I say, hey, Lansing, people of, you know, people who are protesting in Lansing, read a fucking book, you know, watch a movie, you know, smoke some weed, uh, drink a beer. I don't know. Again, if you want to do the Cudlow route and, you know, do some coke, whatever it may be that's going to keep you fucking inside. Do that. But this bizarre kind of, hey, let us out, let us out, let us out bullshit like you're being trapped like a prisoner in a jail, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of empathy uh, for those type of people. And then you see the other extreme. So you have Michigan where the governor has been like, hey, stay the fucking doors. It's a fucking pandemic. People are dying. And then you go to the opposite side of that and you see in South Dakota where the governor has literally done nothing. Um, I think we talked the other day about a port facility, one of the biggest port facilities, you know, in the country has been shut down because of Corona. There's so much Corona, they found that facility had to physically shut said facility down. So this, it's spreading rampant in South Dakota. And the governor has said, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to, you know, there's no stay at home. I'm not going to tell people to wear gloves or masks or anything. And her argument was she did not want to tread on individual freedom. And I guess if you want to take that position, then you should probably get rid of all the fucking stoplights, right? In, in, in South Dakota. Because a stoplight is treading on your freedom because it's telling you to stop. Or perhaps in South Dakota, you should be free to, you know, drink and drive or, you know, drive with your seatbelt off. Anything you want in South Dakota, basically, is whatever you want in South South Dakota um, because, it, hey, we don't want to tread on individuals' freedom. Um, you know, to me, that's just, again, if you want to say that, I guess you can say that. But then I would just suggest to the governor, one, take your ass out. 
to go, why don't you go to the fucking pork facility where they just closed down the coronavirus and why don't you go out there and talk to these people and explain to them how, hey, it's your choice if you want to go outside or not, you know, number one. And then number two, again, I understand that South Dakota is a, uh, you know, a very red state, a Republican state, but I just can't imagine how you could possibly think that you could get another term. You know, people are literally, you know, dying like hotcakes in your state. And your thought process is, ah, it's all good. You know, I, I just don't know how that works for the voter. But then again, I don't live in South Dakota. Fortunately, God bless. So that's not really my issue. But it will be my issue if motherfuckers from South Dakota start to go into other cities. Like, you know, if eventually when they do lift these stay-at-home restrictions, and, you know, I'm at the bar, I'm having a drink, and the guy sits down next to me and he goes, man, you know, this is so great to be here. I just got out of South Dakota. I'm like, who let this motherfucker out? You know, so I have some concerns about, you know, South Dakota, even though I don't live there. Um, but these issues in terms of the outrage as it relates to the stay-at-home orders by some of these weird folk, you know, and, uh, it leads me to a conversation about white privilege. And I want to share with the audience a brief story. Um, I used to, you know, I, I worked in the financial services industry and part of my job would be, I'd have to go around to, you know, various locations, areas, and talk about the new regulatory requirements, right? So every, everybody fucking loves to hear the lawyer tell you about what you can and can't do. Uh, and again, I, I, so this concept I get, I hear people, why, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? All the fucking government, you know, I, I hear all that type of stuff. So you know, anyway, so I would go out and do this stuff. So um, one of my trips took me to Houston. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, I, they, they basically, what they would do is they would have these presentations and, you know, part of the presentations, they would bring the, you know, the lawyer out to talk about the issues. I got to kind of do these road shows. I talk about issues. So, you know, I'm in the hotel bar and I'm drinking and I'm waiting to meet up with a buddy of mine. And I see another guy who's at the same conference, you know, you work at the same company. He's there, he's like, hey, you know, I haven't seen, you know, whatever, you know, let's, let's do a drink together. So we, so we, you know, we do a drink, we're having a couple of drinks. And, um, you know, I'm sitting there with them and, I, and my buddy, who I knew, finally shows up and I go, look it, I don't want to be rude to the white guy. I said, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go. I said to this other bar, this other club or whatever in Houston, you're happy to come with this, but I want to, you know, tell you in advance that it's a black club. And he, you know, slaps me on the back. He's oh, man, you know, I'm telling you, I'm fine. Yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. So, you know, we go out to this party, club or bar or whatever. It's in Houston. And, you know, we have a good time. And, you know, he's, he's at home, no issues, whatever. So this was a guy who was a recruiter. So for lack of a better term, he's more of a sales guy, right? So if you ever met sales guys, real successful sales guys, there's a lot of, you know, they're always, they're always selling. Whether it be they're selling a product or they're selling themselves, they're charismatic guys, they're in sales. Um, so every now and then he'd stop by my office when he was in town. Hey, you know how you doing? Hey, you know, how you doing? Whatever. And he'd go, hey, we definitely got to hang out. We got to hang out. We got to hang out. And so I go, okay, you know, we, we, we should hang out. So finally I agreed to hang out with this guy. And um, he wasn't like, you know, again, he was younger than me. So I want to say he's probably in his, you know, early 30s, you know, maybe 34, 35 or so. So we were going to, you know, initially the plan was, you know, after we get off work, you know, we, uh, you know, link up, we, you know, hit some bar, hang out for a while to get a couple drinks. 
So he calls me up. I'm like, I go back to my, you know, apartment and um, you know, I'm getting dressed or whatever. Um, and he calls me up. He goes, you know, meet me at my house. You know, we'll, 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 we'll pregame there. And from some of, you know, you older folk like me, I didn't know what the fuck pregame is. Like, you could basically, it's like, hey, let's do some drinks, you know, home and then we'll go out and do more drinks. Never really made a lot of sense to me, but that's the whole concept. So we're now we're going to pregame at this dude's house. So I go over to his place and, you know, he's, he's got, you know, beer. He's drinking, you know, we are drinking beers, whatever. And it's one of those deals when you're with somebody, you know, for instance, like I, you know, you, you have seen self-evident, you know, from the content of these uh, podcasts, you know, I smoke marijuana. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember I was talking to my once and they were like, well, how much do you smoke? And I think I was at, like, you know, a doctor's visit, something like that. And they have to, you know, I was going to, they were going to do a procedure on me. And the anesthesiologist was like, um, you know, I need to know, you know, if you're doing anything, because it's like, you know, this, this, there's a, they have to be able to, you know, kind of set the degree of how much of the drugs they're going to give you to sedate you. And that some of that is based upon what your, you know, current drug usage or what your usage is. And I'm like, he's like, you know, he said, you know, do you smoke? I go, yeah, I don't smoke tobacco products, but I do smoke marijuana. I said, uh, you know, actually, uh, I am, sm- I am high right now as we speak. And he goes, well, that's cool. You know, thank you for helping you telling me that's going to be helpful for me as I, you know, you know, set your sedatives to knock you out so they can, you know, do the procedure. But he asked me, he says, um, well, how much do you smoke? And I, I said, I don't know. You know, I can't really gauge how much I smoke, but I would tell you a lot. <laughs> you know, I don't, so whatever a lot means to you, that's how much I smoke. So. Anyway, so, um, you know, it's one of those things where if you want to, you know, really just kind of relax, you know, and do your thing, you got to feel comfortable with the other person. So, you know, it's not like everybody that I meet who physically knows me because I mean, I would be would know that I smoke. because I don't smoke around everybody. Um, so you, you have to have a certain level of familiarity, at least from my perspective, before you just start, you know, gutting blunts, you know, on the kitchen table with somebody. So, anyway, so me and the guy, you know, we're kind of drinking and we're talking. It's funny because. Hip hop music, you know, I'll forget, you know, black people, black folks. We've listened to, you know, we grew up on hip hop, especially if you are my age. You came to, you came to, you know, age listening to hip hop, you know. But white people have listened to it as well. It's, it's one of the dirty secrets. Like, oh, it's just you niggas listen to it. No, 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 no. Like white people love hip hop. They grew up on hip hop. They listened to it in their fraternity rooms and their sorority rooms back in the day. You know, I had a discussion that like this year they did the Super Bowl or last year the Super Bowl at uh in Florida, and they decided you know for the you know the performances to reflect Miami culture because the Super Bowl was in Miami to reflect Miami culture was going to be J Lo and Shakira. So I don't know. I think J Lo's from New York. Uh, I think Shakira is from Brazil. Neither one of these people are fucking from Miami. I don't know how they picked these people. Jay-Z picked them all people. So I, which is, you know, made me just lose respect for Jay-Z. Because it's like, if you're from Miami, I, I just thought they'd have Luke. You know, again, you you can't, if you're of a certain age, like, again, I, and I was talking to him about this. I was like, I don't even know. I think I Shakira may have, uh, Hips Don't Lie, I believe, may be one of her songs. I don't really know any, um... J-Lo song, I know she's done some kind of like melody things with uh, Ja Rule, but I don't really consider her a singer per se, so I consider her, you know, a Latina that walks around and shows off her ass, and look, hey, if that's what you got to work with, baby, you work it, but my whole point is, like, which song do you remember more, a song by Shakira, a song by J-Lo, or Pop That Pussy, you know, to me, you know, two live crew is much more synonymous with Miami than any of these other artists are. But anyway, so 
going back to the point of the story. So he's talking to me. So he's playing beats. He's like, hey, you know, you know, he's like, I'm a big Mob Deep fan. So he's playing Mob Deep. I love Mob Deep. And he's playing Mob Deep. So we're just listening to Mob Deep. And, you know, we're, we're drinking, whatever. And he goes, um, do you smoke? And now is the kind of test where we have to, you know, have that kind of, are we really, really cool? You know, can we smoke together type of cool? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I smoke. You know, fuck it. You know, I smoke. So now we're smoking. And, um, you know, I'm getting high and listening to some mobs, survival of the fittest. And he says to me, um, do you do blow? And I go, no, nah, I'm good. And he goes, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to do a couple of lines. I said, you know, you do what you want, dude. You do what you want. So, because I'm not a hater. So he starts doing uh, lines of coke, Larry Kudlow style. And, you know, while he's doing this, he's telling me, because, you know, when I came out, he seemed to be a little amped up. So maybe he had done some lines before I got there. Who knows? But he seems to be a little amped up. So he's telling me about how he had just, broken up with his girlfriend and you know this weird just you know so now i'm kind of like i'm playing like the dr phil role or like listening to this guy tell me this weird story about him breaking up with this chick <laughs> so he's you know and, and, and he's kind of down in the dumps about it i'm you know it's funny because a lot of times you know guys always try to act like oh we broke up i don't give a fuck you know fuck her it doesn't matter you know but you, it, it matters you're upset you know and it's okay to be upset it's, there's nothing wrong with being sad or melancholy uh, if you have ended a relationship. So, anyways, this dude is upset. He's doing lines of blow. Um, at a certain point in time, I'm like, hey, man, you know, we're going to go out because I just don't want to be sitting here, you know, with you just kind of bouncing off the walls. This is the mob deep, you know, going on and on about some chick he used to go out with. So, no, 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 we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. So I'm not from the city that we were in. So he picks the place. So we go out to this club. Lo and behold, he takes me to a black lounge. So it's like these black, you know, hookah lounge. Hookah is now like the craze or used to be the craze before the pandemic. You know, I don't know how many people are going to be wanting to, you know, smoke hookah. after. But anyway, so we go to this spot. You know, we get a table. You know, so it's me and him sitting down at this table. And he's already amped up. So, you know, they're, they're playing, you know, hip-hop, and, you know, he's dancing, or he's trying to dance, because, again, you know, white dudes don't really have a lot of rhythm. And um, he's like, you know, I'll be right back. So I'm like, cool. So, you know, we had already ordered, you know, a round of drinks. I think he got, like, bottle service or whatever. So we're sitting there. And let me just pause for a second. I tell all my friends this. I will go out with you. You want to go out to a bar? You want to go out to a club? You want to go to a lounge? Clubs, I'm a little old for that now. So, but lounges, whatever. You want to go out? I will go out with you. But I tell people, I'm not a VIP dude. And what I mean by that is, I'm not paying $500 to $1,000 to sit at a table with a bottle of uh, vodka. I'm not, that, that's not me. Now, I'm not mad at anybody else, but that's never been my thing. And I think one of the reasons why it's not my thing is I have two kids. <laughs> you know, so just dropping like, $5,000 or, or even let's just say conservatively $1,200, you know, at a bar or just basically dropping the stimulus check, you know, at the bar is not something really that I personally would feel comfortable doing. But, you know, I, but I, so I say that to folk because I'm like, if you want to do that, I will come with you, but don't look at me for, you know, subsidizing said tape. Like if you want a big Willie style and do your thing, I'll roll with you, but I'm not paying for the shit. And I always tell people, I tell people from the jump. 
So when we leave, there will never be an issue. He's like, no, 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 I got everything. Don't worry about it. Let's go. So anyways, we're there. So he gets up. So he's gone for a minute. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to the bathroom. So I get up to go to the bathroom, open up the door of the bathroom. Again, this is a public establishment. Open the door. And this guy's doing blow. Now, I've been to many clubs, bars, lounges, and it's not the first time I've seen a motherfucker doing blow. But it is the first time I've seen a motherfucker doing blow on the sink. Like, typically it's done in a stall. <laughs> the door wasn't locked. He's just on the, just in the sink, just doing lines of car. I'm like, hey, 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 dude. Like, aren't you worried about somebody coming up in here? He's like, nah, 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 nah. So I'm like, yo, just ease up, dude, ease up. So we go back to the table, you know, we're drinking or whatever. So this time now he, he's standing on top of the table and he start dancing, you know. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, we're about to get, you know, either number one arrested or number two kicked out or a combination of the two. So I'm like, yo, man, sit down, sit down. And he finally gets off the table and he says to me, and he says, look, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. And he says to me, and I'll never forget this. He says to me, but I'm a white man. I can do whatever the fuck I want. And I thought to myself, I guess you can. Because I, if I know, if I stood on top of that fucking table, somebody would have whooped my ass, one of the bouncers, somebody would have whooped my ass, they'd have dragged me out. I've been in cuffs, and I had to explain to my employer the next day, you know, why I'm calling collect, you know, from a jail phone. So, dude is wilding out. So we're there for, you know, a couple of hours. And he's like, I got to take you to this place. You're going to love it. I got to take you to this place. And I'm like, all right, cool, you know, whatever. And he's like, we got to go. So we, we, leave the, we leave the first place we're at. We go downstairs. We get in a cab. Not cab. There's no more cabs. Anymore. We're getting a, you know, a Lyft or Uber, whatever the fuck it was. And we go to, he says, we're going to the Purple Orchid. You know, from the name alone, the purple orchid doesn't give me a lot of confidence, but whatever. So we're in the car. I'm like, what the fuck is the purple orchid? He's like, ah, oh, it's a strip club. It's my favorite strip club. You're going to love it. And I'm like, see, this is, you know, this is how if you don't really know someone that well, people that know me well know strip clubs are is not my thing. I'm not mad at strip clubs. I'm not trying to say I've never been to a strip club. I'm just saying if someone said, hey, you've got a list of options of shit to do, a strip club would not really be the number one thing that I would pick. Moreover than that, I'm looking at this dude and I'm like, I definitely don't want to go to a fucking white strip club. Like that to me is just like death. Death on a fucking stick. Like yeah, just, no. <laughs> I don't want to do it. So, let me give you a brief aside about uh, strip clubs. I uh, was going to go, I went to a, uh, a buddy's wedding of mine. And, you know, before the wedding, you know, there's the bachelor party. And so the girls that they were going to organize, first of all, the guy, there was, you know, obviously the, 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 the groom himself was not organizing. It's like a you know, best man or whatever. So the best man is organizing this, uh, you know, bachelor party. And the young ladies that he hired to show up didn't show up and it's like first of all they're strippers so if there's a reason why they're strippers they're probably not the most reliable motherfuckers in the world so they don't show up so it's like 10 guys in a hotel room like smoking like chimneys sitting around playing cards so it gets to like 12 31 and it's like all right clearly these babes aren't going to come let's do something else so we go to this strip club 
and it's the white strip club and um you know, I, I, to me, the thing that's always funny to me is the names of these of the dancers. Because you know, it would be like this DJ. You couldn't see him. He's in a booth somewhere. And he'd be like, coming to the stage, uh, Destiny or Diamond. You know, or <laughs> it'd just be these, these just fucking ridiculous names. And I always wondered why they, you know, who, I don't know what the, who picks the names. I don't know how to get the names. But they're just the stupidest fucking names ever these babes have. So we're in this spot. And again, I'm not, it's just, I'm not into it at all. I'm just there, I wait, you know, again, it's the sky's bachelor party, so we're there, I'm drinking brews, it is what it is. I'm drinking $12 beers, <laughs> you know, whatever. And one of the things about these clubs, especially, you know, the white clubs, is that the women, when they come off stage, they'll walk around and you kind of have to give them money. It's kind of, it's it's like, you can't like not give them money. You kind of have to give them like a dollar or something. So they, you know, everyone keeps running. You got to keep giving them a dollar. So it's just, it gets, it gets, it gets old real, real quick. But I notice out of the corner of my eye that there's, you know, I don't know if any of the audience recalls like Stephen Hawking's, who was a paraplegic. So he's like, I know, I think he, you know, you get the, like the ability to like move around the wheelchair, but not a lot else. It's like a tube in dude's mouth or whatever the fuck. And, um, you know, he's in his wheelchair, and I, and I see him in a wheelchair, keeps going back to the champagne room. And the champagne room, for those of you who've never been to a strip club before, is kind of like, you know, these back rooms where, you know, young ladies will uh, promise the moon and, you know, kind of get you to go back there and charge you like, you know, any, who knows, 60, 70, 80, whatever the amount of money, you know, a certain amount of money, go back there to get like a private dance, whatever. So I see the guy in the wheelchair go back to get the private dance. Um, we're there for probably about, I don't know, about an hour or so. I probably saw that fucker go back there maybe three to four times. And it was funny, the reason why I could always see him, because the, the, the wheelchair doesn't go fast, so it's kind of like a, a slow-moving machine, so you really can't miss it. And, you know, he's getting different babes, he's going back there, so I said, women, you know, they walk around, you gotta give them dollars, and this one woman goes, you know, I, I had seen her previously going back to the champagne room with this paraplegic. And I'm like, um, this dude's going back there a lot of times. Are you guys cutting him like a deal or a discount? He's handicapped. And she was like, fuck no. So I, I felt bad for him. I thought there should have been. If you can get handicapped parking, right? And you can get disability checks and all that type of shit like that. Should you not get a discount you're at the strip club? This motherfucker don't have no legs. Like, should you? I mean, but what, what do I know? So anyway, so back to the story. So we're in the Uber and the meanest dude. So he's literally now doing blow in the Uber. You know, he's, he's giving the fuck up of all sense of propriety. So, we arrive at the Purple Orchid. Much to my surprise, the Purple Orchid was not a white club. It was a black strip club. It was a grimy black strip club in the hood. It was so hood that there is like, um, there was a, there was this kind of a, a black well, when a uh, glass when uh, a glass window that you can you can't look in. I guess if you're inside, you can look out. And you literally there were bullet holes where someone had shot that motherfucker up. Like, and they hadn't even patched it or anything. It's just bullet holes and the shit. So now you know I start having these thoughts of like again, like how do I explain to my employer I'm either in jail or now I explain to my employer that I am in the hospital because I have been shot. So we go into the purple orchid. And literally, as soon as he gets in there, like, three different chicks is like, hey, we're so happy. Like, this guy was like a celebrity in this spot. And he turns around to me and he goes, 
this is like my second home. And it's like, he's so juiced up. You think this motherfucker just hit the lottery or just, you know, won at blackjack. Or it, it was just amazing to see said dude's enthusiasm. Now, I'm not a hater. So you, you do whatever it is you do. I'm like, I'm just going to sit here and have some peers. Um, these young ladies... They were in, they looked like they were working in a hood strip club. You could see like stretch marks from the babies, everything. It was just, everything is going on. And my whole thing is, you know, there's a difference. Like these clubs, I mean, they call them strip clubs, but I don't really even know if they should probably call them a strip club because there's not really like a lot of like dancing. They just basically come up and try to like grind their ass on you. And then you're supposed to give them money. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, it just seems to me, this is even pre-corona, I was like, it's just, this is just too much. Like, I don't, don't want to, it, it's too much for me, but, you know, enjoy yourself, here's a dollar, please go on your merry way. So, my man on the other hand, as soon as, as, soon as he gets in there, he disappears. So he's like going back to the champagne room, and this place doesn't really have a shit. It was like more, it looked like, um, kind of like they had created like a door with some plywood, they created some sections with some plywood with like a, um, uh, with a kind of like a sheet, a curtain. So anyways, he's, he's back there doing God knows what, and it's going on for a minute. So finally, you know, he's done what he's had to do. I've spent enough money, you know, drinking beers and warding off, you know, chubby babes with stretch marks, and now it's time to roll. So we, no, neither one of us had driven our cars. So now we've got to get a Lyft or Uber back. Just imagine how many Lyfts and Ubers are really super excited to come to the hood to come get you. So he's like, yeah, you know, whatever. So I'm calling like a car. He's like, no, I'm going to call a car. I'm like, dude. And he's, he's trying to like kind of call a car. But he's also trying to get like some babes to come home with him. And meanwhile, in the parking lot, so if you've ever gone to a hood strip club, it's a little bit different. So clearly there are patrons, people who have been inside the club, but there's also these ingenious dudes who literally don't go in at all. They basically wait until the club is getting ready to end, or, and they park, they bring, they, they basically, they park, they park in the parking lot, and they try to solicit the strippers to come home with them. So that's what's going on in the parking lot at this spot. So now I'm trying to get a lift. This dude's fucking around with these broads. And I'm like, yo, man, we got to go. I was like, we might need to walk down a couple blocks because we're in a hot zone, dude. And he turns around and he says to me and he goes, yo, man, I don't want to offend you. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. But I need you to raise up your level of blackness. Like somehow, like... I don't know what he thought, but I was like, nigga, my blackness is telling me we got to get the fuck out of here before we get killed. That's what my blackness is telling me. But again, the moral of the story is white privilege, meaning that he literally could not conceive of a scenario where he would have gotten shot, robbed, or anything bad could have happened to him at all. Some of that clearly was because he was pumped up on the cutlow. But I think moreover than that, I think, you know, it's just this concept of white people feeling, I say all, but a certain, a large population of them feeling as though I can do anything.
So, yes, why should the governor of Lansing, or excuse me, why should the governor of Michigan tell me to stay at home? Fuck that, I can do anything I want. You know, this is the type of thinking that certain people have. So as we look, as we go further, you know, into the, into the pandemic, and we start to look at easing up some of these quarantine restrictions, you have to be mindful, while you may feel a certain way, especially in terms of the demographics of people who are being, you know, attacked uh, by this virus, while you might be conservative, you have to understand that there is a large swath of the population that feels like nothing can hurt them. These were the motherfuckers who were on the beaches, you know, at spring break, you know, down in Tampa. These were the motherfuckers that were in Cabo, you know. And again, it's not just white people. There are certain black people here as well that are just like, you know, fuck it. You know, I just don't care anymore, whatever that may be. But again, I don't think the coronavirus gives a fuck about white privilege. We'll see. You know, we'll see what happens in these red states that have done no testing, um, that have not done stay-at-home orders, because I still believe there's at least eight states that have not, not issued any stay-at-home orders, including South Dakota. So we'll see how it plays out. I don't wish ill on anyone, but I think it is literally spitting in the face of science and logic for you, the president, or anyone to think without testing that somehow we can go back to normal or some semblance of normal or people can go back to work or go outside of their homes and not live in fear. Anyways, that's not the happiest note, you know, I want to leave things on, but it is nonetheless, you know, how I do want to leave today's podcast. Um, a couple of, you know, brief things before we adjourn. As always, thank you to the audience. I appreciate you know, you tuning in. Um, I have a device, you know, when you do, when you start um, making the podcast, they give you kind of a analytics tool and it can show you, you know, people, how many people are logging in and listening to your uh, podcast episode by episode. And I really am appreciative of everyone who's listened. Um, again, you know, my goal for this whole time for doing the podcast is to be entertaining, right? These are all jokes. They may not be jokes that you find funny, but they're jokes none the least. And hopefully it's a breakup in the monotony of uh, your quarantine experience. So as I say, you know, always as I end every show, the biggest thing I want people to do is number one, stay safe, stay situated, stay calm. Peace.